Lambert und Karl-Heinz Riedle 1 zu 0 für Borussia Dortmund. meine Damen und Herren. So, welcome back to another German football podcast. Ronan, you're back. How's it going, mate? You've been away for far too long. What's been going on? I'm back. I uh, listened in last week and you said I was away because Hibs were rubbish. But Colin managed to backfire in that because we beat St Mirren. But he did <laughs> say that I would come back when my new team, Freiburg, win a game and they beat Dortmund at the weekend and here I am. So there we go. He's, he's only here for the big game. <laughs> How you doing, Colin? Not bad. I'll not... I'll not bash St Mirren this week. They did beat Kilmarnock, so that's a, a plus in my book. Uh, so congratulations. Thank no you. St Mirren, no St Mirren criticism today. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. This is the only season that I've probably not had as much criticism for being a Swan fan, which is great. But let's jump into the, the German uh, football from the weekend. And as we kind of figured out just during this week uh, is that Last week was a game of derbies. Last week, you know, you had oh, this Rhine derby, oh. which we'll go into, which is a very big win. And Colin's going to have a run down to the, the rest of the derbies down the divisions. Uh, touch on the Pokal draw as well, see the kind of um, draws that came out of that, and then we'll jump into another quiz like usual. But, guys, derby's eager. What, what do you think of that, Ronan? An absolutely fantastic win for Kern against Gladbach the weekend. You can't really fault them for their performance as well. Yeah, no, I think Colin, they seem to keep on popping up with results when you least expect it. Um, but, well, that's two in the bounce now in the league and three wins in the last four. But I think the Derby win certainly means a bit more, especially, you know, with how good Gladbach have been lately and to, to go there and pick up three points when, when you've been up against it lately will probably mean a lot. Uh, definitely, um, and it's the first um, it's the first win for Kern over their, their dearest and nearest rivals, Gladbach, Colin, since January 2018, so it's even more sweeter just to, especially with Gladbach having a good season and Kern maybe not having, well everyone keeps writing them off, but every time someone writes them off this year they, have a, they pull out a really good result, um, but it must be just that even more sweeter that they've not beat them in nearly in three years now. Yeah, uh, I mean, for all our Kilns folks this season, they have got some impressive results, like that away win at Dortmund and the draw at Leipzig. So for all that they've struggled, they have managed to really, against the expectations, pull out these good results and uh, keep themselves above, uh, keep their heads above water from the relegation zone. Yeah, and... The the man at the the helm of the the full victory uh, running was Elvis Rexbajai. Obviously, everyone's making a lot of his Elvis Presley jokes over the weekend. You know, especially the current Twitter page and stuff is going quite well. But he was he was just different class, and um, even saw with Duda played really well. You know, they two linked up great, and it was two well taken goals from the youngster, and he's proven to be a really good t- intake from uh, Wolfsburg. Yeah, he has. I think that's him up to five goals for the season as well. I think we spoke about how. Maybe Cullen have been missing that out-and-out goal scorer, but it's their midfielders that are all kind of chipping in. We know him and uh, Duda, obviously Max Meyer just coming in that he touched on last week as well. So yeah, the midfielders are proven to be, you know, 
the ones who are stepping up in big games as well, like Marius Wolfs, another one I think who's has been quite impressive lately. So it's a good mix of midfield. They're kind of making up for that that lack of the prolific number nine that they're they're kind of missing. I'd say. Yeah, do you think um, do you think Wolfsburg will be keeping close eyes on Rex Bridgey just because of? He has became that kind of prominent figure in the middle of the park for Kern this season, and he's still on loan. You know, he's been it's a two year loan spell. Uh, do you think Wolfsburg might actually be looking at him and thinking, you know what, he could he could end up being one of our star players next season? Definitely in the, the kind of one of the first midfielders to think of. I think he possibly could, yeah, because I mean, another one who's made a transition from Kern to Wolfsburg's Yannick Gerhardt, who started to come more into the starting eleven of Wolfsburg lately, and. Well, I think Schwager and Arnold have been really impressive for them, but there possibly is a place place for him to fit in in the future. So, and he's well, certainly not doing himself any harm by the way he's playing at the moment. Certainly put himself in a shout for the manager to to give him a go. Yeah, do you, do you think the same with that, Colin? You know, because he has just last season. I think he showed glimpses of he could be a very good player. He's still very young. You know, he's only he's only twenty three. It's that's still young for a footballer. You know, in this kind of day and age as well. I think he might be by the end of the season once he's he's had this kind of progression with Kellen again being a kind of main player. I think he could be a better player next year, so he might be maybe too good to be sitting down the the bottom end of the table. Yeah, and with the way Wolfsburg are going, challenging for the Champions League, they very much seem to be on the pitch, uh, a club on the up again. So maybe a a, a player like Rex Pujai. There we go. It's one of the hardest names to say. Uh, yeah, with a, a player like him scoring their struggle inside, he's probably the kind of player that would attract attention from one of the bigger sides anyway. But if he's already got that really route planned out that he can slot back into the Wolfsburg team in a European position, then I think he could definitely be a useful player because you'll need a deeper squad if Wolfsburg are going to be in the Champions League. Then they'll maybe need that midfield rotation. I think he could really be a good squad option for them. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we said we're going to talk about derbies um, this weekend. So no better one to start than this Rhine derby. You know, the, one of the, the biggest derbies in this area of Germany. And it's been more historically, I know, like in the, the 70s, this was a huge, absolutely huge derby because both teams were doing really well. I mean, um, Gladbach were probably one of the best teams in Germany at the time, if not the best. Um, and Kern were up there as well, you know, winning winning Bundesliga then. So, I mean, I I, th- I think we mentioned this before. We just when it was just me, you, Ron, and I wonder if you remember. But it was 1978, 78, um, 77, 78 year that um, the Kern pipped Gladbach to the the title, and that was the last time Kern actually won it. But do you remember what happened in the last day of the, the season, running with um, Gladbach needing goals to to go through? I think we discussed it a long, long time ago. They did not win by a ridiculous scoreline and it still wasn't enough. Yeah, so Gladbach um, fell three goals short of Köln by the end of the season. So they won, Köln won in goal difference. So the last the Bundesliga was won in goal difference. But, I mean, Colin, do you, do you know the scoreline or can I get you to guess it? Do you, what, was, it was it against, uh, was it against Dortmund? yeah. Yeah, it was like 11-1 or something, 11-0. No, 12-0, no, 12-0, no, and they still didn't get enough goals to... There's, to a, there's a similar story in Scottish football, isn't there? I remember once, was it Partick Thistle when 
Dundee or something something like Dundee beat Morton by a, a score maybe about like nine ten years ago mm. uh, one of the clubs needed to beat Morton by so, so many goals and they ended up beating them like whatever score like nine now or something and it, it it nearly it nearly was enough but so there's a Scottish equivalent yeah, there was a, well, there's one. I don't have the specific teams for it. Well, there's one up. from mine. I don't know if you, maybe this is what the one you're thinking of, but in '86, um, Hearts could have won the, the Premier League, um, and they. This is why the big running that um, kind of, I wouldn't say derby, but it's like a kind of fake hatred between St Mirren and Hearts because Hearts could have won the runner will be loving this this one just now. Do we feel as a Hibs fan? Uh, but Hearts could have won the league in '86, but St Mirren get beat five 0 by Celtic. Um, but Hearts only had to beat Dundee, but they actually drew with Dundee. So, like, kind of similar story there with kind of like by the end of the season. But that was that was a good one, and that sparked a very strange derby between Hearts and Simon over the years. But um, I that's kind of your Scottish equivalent of that. But twelve nil, I mean, that's a ridiculous, ridiculous scoreline. I think it's still the highest victory in the Bundesliga, and it still couldn't win you the league title because. Kiln uh, went and beat St. Pauli 5-0, um, so that secured them their, their last uh, German championship. So there's a lot of really big history um, in this 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 kind of game. Um, I mean, it's one that's kind of caught the eye for a long time as well. A couple of cracking goals. I remember one of the first ones I watched, I um, don't know if you've seen it, but Marcel Risa scored an absolute belt of a free kick. It must have been about 40 yards out. Hamilton Academic with 10, Morton 2. That was a score. Oh, I remember that one. Only because I'm a Smith fan and Martin getting beat 10 10 2 was excellent. <laughs> Aye. So I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a it's a really interesting kind of derby to look at if you've not really because I mean, would you describe them, Colin, as kind of two I don't want to say fallen giants because Gladback are still a big team, but they just they've not won a, a title in so long. And Kiln, you know, were winning titles back in the sixties and seventies as well. They kind of now it's got to this kind of age. And it's been a long time since they've both won uh, a, a league. Can you call them kind of like a fallen giant in some way, even though they're still good teams in their own right? I don't know. I think the rivalry is definitely because probably the golden periods of both sides sort of crossed over. Uh, yeah. Because Köln were always a really big side, round about the formation of the Bundesliga, like 1950s, 1960s, Köln were one of the biggest sides in Germany, really. And won the first Bundesliga title. Where at that, at that point, Gladbach were really a very small team, but they really came to prominence in the 1970s when they started winning trophies. So that really announced their arrival. So that at that point, that was sort of the tail end of Köln's maybe period of, uh, like, golden period. And they, they, as you mentioned, the season where they fought in the 1970s. But since then, neither of them have really challenge for titles. I mean, Gladbach have had more of a recent resurgence in the last 10 years, particularly under Lucien Favre, he really turned them into European challengers again, and ever since then, they've been regulars in the Champions League and Europa League. So I think you could, you could have called them a fallen giant, but I think the last decade has shown them to really have come, come back to the top, which is a really good thing for German football, I think. Yeah. Köln, I think you could definitely say because you've not really seen that from them. I mean, they they qualified for Europe in 2017, wasn't it? And that was their first time in Europe for about 25 years. So you really saw how big a thing that was. 
is that they'd previously been used to that, but hadn't had it for so long. So I, I think you could definitely call Köln that, but Gladbach are really back among the top sides now. Yeah. It's an interesting question. No, definitely. Um, what, what, Ron, what do you think? Because it seems to be, I mean, especially as kind of like foreigners looking into the Bundesliga, it seems to be Gladbach and Köln are kind of two of the teams that a lot of people latch on to. Like, what do you kind of, what do you think you'd put that down to? Is, is it like the history Colin saying, or do you think it's just the way the teams play recently? And like, the, like I think Gladbach, especially, you know, Gladbach playing in Europe a lot, they're more prominent to see. And then Köln's quite a, easy destination to travel to for games but I, I don't know you seem to find that Gladbach and Köln even though they are so vicious uh, kind of rivalry they absolutely hate each other but you find a lot of people latch onto these teams from abroad I think it's probably a combination of all the things that kind of come together to make them quite attractive obviously the location of Köln where it being you know a kind of a hub for where you can travel out to, to different venues as well than a short distance so I suppose that's an attractive part of it and then say the history of the clubs kind of stands out a lot I think um, like you know we're glad back in Europe in the 80s and stuff when they were playing against kind of the top British sides back then as well like when Liverpool were kind of towards their peak as well I remember um, you know like as my dad was telling me about games they had with Gladbach as well so yeah things like that just kind of the history probably the culture of the clubs I think especially Gladbach as well when they are on the TV now and kind of British audience will get to see them more on BT and stuff and they play quite an attractive brand of football that's pretty exciting to watch they've got you know some of their players are people who probably tip to go to the Premier League in the future which I think attracts a lot of like English and British viewers as well so really a combination of a lot of things really um, but yeah they're clearly quite attractive to, to foreigners to, to get involved with Yeah do you, do you think that's going to I don't want to say, say save Gisdall, but he's proven that he can get results off the big teams. They're not playing attractive football all year. They're not looking like they want to play attractive football at all. But like, do you think that kind of saves them, Colin? Or, until the end of the season anyway? Well, it depends on what the expectations are. If they're going to just accept survival at any cost, then... I mean, that, that would be enough to keep his job if he manages to do that. But it's whether they... I, I suppose it's it's a lot it's a lot harder to gauge what the fan opinion is when they're not in the stadium. I know a lot of clubs value results, but uh, it's playing style along with that, and they want to see an attractive brand of football, which they really haven't shown this season. Whether they take the success of staying up. I think a club like that should be aiming for more... I don't know. I mean, sacking managers isn't always a solution to that, but I think a club of their size, they should be, be able to... They, they should be aiming for higher than that in the long term. Four points off of ten? I, think I should say. It's not... They're yeah, not, I know, but they're not as bad as it may look. Um, on, on paper, it looks okay. I suppose, yeah, because with the two recent wins and it shows you how even just a small run of form can propel you and like really change the perception of the season. But when you look at, I mean, they've definitely they've definitely been closer to their performance at the size of the bottom rather than the teams in the middle of the table. 
Definitely, but like if you think about how well Stuttgart been regarded recently, uh, how great they've been spoken about, and they're actually only four points behind them. Um, so it's like they're just en route. Uh, I suppose Kölner. I suppose you could look at the the way that Kölner still a relatively new side promoted as well. Yeah, I was going to say Stuttgart have have the. Um, you'd probably let them off with bad performances, a bit more, have a, a bit more leeway as they're just a newly promoted side, but Cullen aren't. But I suppose they were a newly promoted side last season, so there's maybe still a bit of leeway for them. But Aye. I think Stuttgart, no matter where Stuttgart will finish, I think there's going to be a bit more, bit more leeway because they play such good football. I think people enjoy watching them. But it's a lot easier for a coach to maintain popularity when teams playing attacking football whereas if, it, if it's not as successful at least they can take that as a positive but Gisdol's really um, losing the null fronts if he's not getting the results which for a large proportion of the season they haven't been doing but they've just managed to somehow maybe snatch a result out of the bag just to keep their heads above the line yeah, no, no, I totally agree with that. It's just when you when you look at the table and you see that Stuttgart really won one more game than Kellen all season, it just it's quite an interesting comparison to give. And I don't think many people are talking about it in this way. But if you give Kellen to beat Schalke, Mainz, you give them to pl- give them a couple of three points against teams round about them. Maybe not being as looked at as a really bad season as may look but I mean we've still got a long time to go but I think Kern have got the, the opportunity now to try and build on something that's what they've not had all season is consistency but the last time we'll talk about it, this derby um, Ronan you can get the Gladbach safe from this they are four points from the top four they're still in seventh probably not a, well I mean it definitely wasn't a great result for them but that's I might put a dampener on their end of the season just to kind of consolidate them and push them back into the top six. Will they finish in the top six now or do you think they'll just miss out? I would still say I think they can finish in the top six. I still think they will, but I think it's in our case where it's been a few times this season where they've they've dropped points in games where you wouldn't have expected them to. I remember I think it was around the first game of the season where they dropped points against Union um, just uh, before the turn of the year, they lost at home to Hoffenheim and drew at home to Hertha. Um, so they're games that, you know, they would have expected to have been winning um, that they've been kind of dropping points in. So, but I mean, teams around about them are dropping points as well, like Dortmund as well this weekend. So they're going to have opportunities to capitalise on it. But I, I still think they can make the top six, especially with the squad they have. Uh, yeah, definitely. So we'll move on from the Ryan Derby. Um, and we'll touch on the team you just mentioned there, Ronan, just quickly before we go into the, the other derbies from the weekend. I, we won't go into every game from last weekend um, to give us more time to talk about other things this week. But got to mention Freiburg, your 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 second favorite, or maybe your favorite team now. Like that's a great result for them. Are they just form wise? Are they considered as like a team that could go for the Europe, Ronan? Well, when you look at the table, they are, but I think the fact that they're so far away from the bottom now is just giving them probably a bit more of an opportunity to play with some more freedom. You know, there's there's not really any pressure on them at the moment, so they can kind of play without fear a bit. I think that's started to show in the results. Obviously, they're going they at the weekend. Um, I mean, they ran Bayern close a few weeks ago when they only got beat 2-1. Um, 
So, you know, they're exciting to watch scoring goals. So, yeah, I think just being able to play with that freedom just kind of gave them that extra edge over teams around them. Yeah, and um, Colin, you can have the, the Dortmund side of this. Do you think it's now becoming quite evident that it's not so much to do with the coach, it's more to do with the players now? Uh, Dortmund, it's just there's something going wrong there and it's just they're lacking the leadership of players. I mean, you saw Marco Royce coming off, he was absolutely raging, but has he shown that he's got the this season that he's actually got the right to be so annoyed with being taken off? I know he's our, the club captain, he's probably the most experienced player, but it's kind of getting worrying for Dortmund now. That's a really bad result for them again. And, you know, like I'm, I'm saying about how far Kölner to Stuttgart, if he goes Stuttgart to, to Dortmund, there's the seven points in it. Like it's it's kind of, they're, they're closer to mid-table than they are anywhere near Bayern at the moment. So like if we go back to the first kind of part of the question was, do you think it's now to do with the players and the, the mentality of the players now that that's why this season just hasn't, hasn't just taken off? I mean, I think it was never going to be as simple as just the coach being the problem. Um, obviously, they were under... They had poor form under Lucien Favre, so maybe there's still a bit of lack of confidence from that that's carried through. I think on Marco Royce, you mentioned them being angry about being substituted. You never know, really, when players do that, if they're angry at the decision or they're maybe just frustrated with themselves. I mean, you could look at that in a better way and maybe he's annoyed at his own performance and wants to improve. But uh, it's definitely, it, it was never going to be something where it was a problem with just being the coach. But I think there definitely seems to be some sort of issue with the, the players. Everyone always mentions like the character and the mentality. Maybe there's something missing with that. Um, I don't know. You just, you're never sure what the, the characters are in the dressing room, what what they're like behind the scenes. Uh, maybe they are just missing that leadership. I'm not sure. Um, it needs, there needs to be something happening at Dortmund just to kind of save this season. I mean, maybe they do well. I think they rely too much on, I think they rely too much on certain players to get them out of situations like Holland and Sancho as well. Do you think if they don't, like hypothetically, Ronan, you can take this one. See if they don't get into the top four. Do you think they have to sell one of their, their bigger players next year? You know, do you think Haaland or Sancho could def, might, well, both, but one of them could definitely need to go just financially just because they don't make it to the top four? I think financially it won't really be an issue because I think the way the club operate, with how much profit they make on players in general, they'll be fine financially. I think it'll just be the players personally will try and force the move because their key players will, I don't think they want to play Europa League. I think they want to be Champions League standard and I think they know that they can walk into so many other sides in Europe and compete at the top level. So I don't think it will be like a financial decision. I think it will be the players possibly forcing it through because they'll, they'll want to leave. Yeah, definitely. It could, be, it could be an interesting end to the season at Dortmund. And just lastly from last weekend's Bundesliga, I think the most Bundesliga thing happened when Bayern asked for their game to be played half an hour early against Hertha. Didn't play too great, actually, against Hertha. I think they got away with the the fact that Hertha went two-on-one against Neuer and passed it forward, and they lost that um, tap-in goal, which is a bit of a strange one, That the offside goal. Um, don't know what was going through the players' minds when they did that, but 
they asked again to play Delhi so they could make their, their plane to Qatar. Turns out they would end up late to, to the airport. Obviously, the conditions in Germany right now are very bad. They're very cold. Uh, plane had to be de-iced. It then went over into midnight, which Germany had their new rules for travel and all their travel bans and stuff like that. So then it got completely delayed. So I think the players ended up about nine hours on this plane, which is crazy. After just playing um, a game and then going to play a game, the, the, I think it was the next day or the day after, I think they had the first game. Just absolutely crazy. And it just kind of sums up maybe why they shouldn't be going to Qatar <laughs> for, for many reasons. I don't know. Like, um, we'll just kind of quickly touch on that. But like Colin, I mean, it's just a... a a crazy, crazy situation. Maybe it sums up why the Cup World Cup shouldn't be going ahead right now. It's quite funny. <laughs> quite, quite funny, imagine the plane for nine hours, um, <laughs> and people like Rumenega really fuming. Yeah. Um, I know. I, I don't think anyone. No one cares, and no one has ever cared about the Club World Cup. That's the thing. Like I think. Most fans would probably agree that it's a pretty ridiculous thing to be happening during a global pandemic. I mean, trying to restrict travel as much as possible. Then for a tournament like this to be going ahead, which really, I mean, even pre, yeah, exactly. Even pre-pandemic was something that people used to just say was all about money. I mean, staging the, yeah, uh, all about boosting the profile um, and making money for FIFA. Uh, so I think even more so for this occasion and something that people I don't think really pay much attention to from a, a footballing perspective anyway. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe Bayern do particularly want to win the trophy, but it just doesn't seem worth it. No, it definitely doesn't, definitely doesn't. But I just thought we'd touch on that because it's quite an interesting slash funny uh, moment of the weekend and it just kind of sums up German football and the German kind of like authorities like not letting them go because of it's crossed in like it's literally just crossed into the time zone of when the, the new travel ban came in place on Saturday so that was um, that was quite funny uh, but we'll, we'll move on and you know we mentioned at the start we obviously made a lot spent a lot of time on the this line derby um, but we have another couple of extra derbies and Colin you've been working your way through the, the ones that came over this weekend, I mean, I mean, I'm going to let's let's just start with Vitaliga. So we had the Saxon derby uh, between Hanover and Eintracht Braunschweig. Um, what what can you tell us about that? You know, as Hanover won both games this season, so they've they've got the, the upper hand um, in the Saxon area. Um, but what anything interesting from this uh, this derby? Yeah, I think it, it's I think in Germany it's definitely considered one of the fiercest and. Um, most passionate, but to casual supporters, uh, maybe in Scotland or the UK, wouldn't realise the significance of the derby, how better it really is. Uh, so Hanover and Braunschweig were both really uh, quite consistently in the Bundesliga in the 1960s and 70s. So across the 60s and 70s, they played each other in the Bundesliga across 10 different seasons. Um, now, you might think Lower Saxony, eh, probably the most prominent club at the moment, are actually Wolfsburg, but historically they are really a smaller club. Themselves mm -hmm. in Osnabrück are considered historically smaller clubs than 
Hanover and Braunschweig. Augsburg only have been in the Bundesliga since 1997. The other two sides have had a longer history in the Bundesliga. Braunschweig actually won in the league in 1967 as well. Now, they've had less meetings over recent years, much to do with Hanover regularly being in the Bundesliga, while Braunschweig were maybe in the second and the third divisions, but actually met in 2013-14 in the Bundesliga. And uh, that was the first time in a long time that they'd played each other. It was a really, really fierce game. Uh, and just across the years, you can really see a lot of incidents, uh, notorious incidents. For instance, uh, during that aforementioned season, 2013-14, uh, for the game in Hanover, uh, Braunschweig fans actually let loose a pig in Hanover with 96 painted on the side of it. So I think that, Even that that's just one of the that, that's just one of the examples to show of like how big a derby is and how much hate there is between the sides. Germans yeah, I mean, like bringing animals into the stadium to do with things like that, don't they? There's a, there's a few times that's happened. Um, some some alive. Some like it seems more like a South American <laughs> thing. Like you hear stories, but yeah, it's interesting to hear that in Germany. Uh, uh, I think. One of the reasons why it's such a big derby is going back maybe hundreds of years. I think it's quite a similar story. We've previously talked about, obviously, in the Derek Ray episode, we talked about the differences between Dusseldorf and Cologne. And I think it's quite similar in that because Cologne was always historically seen as the big city in the region. But then Dusseldorf in recent years has maybe become the economic powerhouse in the last couple of hundred of years. And that is a very similar story with Lower Saxony. So Braunschweig was actually the regional power in the last few hundred years. But from the 17th century onwards with industrialization, Hanover grew and actually became the state capital. So because of that, there's more of a city rivalry as well, a bit of a resentment between the two cities. And obviously Hanover, you could say, have in the same way, maybe um, growing above Braunschweig in football stature as well. Uh, so th- all these uh, contributing factors have really made it a, a bit of rivalry. And um, even behind closed doors, I think the, the build-up in the media to the game at the weekend was uh, very strong as well and really showed how heated the derby is and why it's considered one of the best in Germany. Yeah, it was a good one. Uh, it was another good result um, for Hanover, um, who are, you know, just pl- kind of, I don't want to say plodding along, but they're not really, I don't think they'll be joining us in the Bundesliga in the next few years. Just they seem to be kind of stuck in this Vital League at the moment. Braunschweig obviously looked like they could be heading back to the Dritte Liga. But if we jump to the Dritte Liga now and we go with an East derby, which um, you, you're a very big fan of, Colin, the, the East German kind of history, and obviously Magdeburg. Um, were beaten off of Dynamo Dresden. Dynamo Dresden, obviously top of the league at the moment, doing really well. Um, that's then got two result, two results in the kind of East derby um, in Germany. What what anything anything cool to tell us about this derby between Magdeburg and Dresden? Two teams that you quite enjoy as well. Yeah, we've previously spoken about them. My first appearance was as a guest, obviously with the Sleeping Giants episode, mm. and mainly focusing on sides in the Dritte Liga. And you could definitely consider both of these in that category. It's classic 
Eastern rivals. And I think when now that Germany is one, I think whenever these Eastern teams play each other, it's a big occasion. Probably almost every combination of Eastern teams playing each other in the higher leagues would probably be considered something of a derby. I mean, you can see like when Dresden play Hansa Rostock, for example, as well. But this one in particular, I think, is very special. It's actually nicknamed the Elbe Classico because of the river Elba that flows and flows through Germany and Czech Republic. Actually, flows through Hamburg as well, but flows through the likes of Magdeburg and Dresden. Uh, so these, so that's why the Derby's coined that. But it, it just stems back from the time of the DDR, where there were two of the two of the most successful sides. Dresden winning the title eight times and Magdeburg winning it three. Also Magdeburg winning the European trophy. So there really were two powerhouses of that time in the 1970s, 1980s. Um, obviously fallen in harder times now, particularly Magdeburg, who are currently in the relegation zone, could potentially be back in Regional Liga, which I think would be a great shame. A bit yeah, better yeah. for Dynamo Dresden, who are potentially heading back to the Zweite Liga. And I think they took a big step towards that with the win at the weekend. Yeah, definitely. And it's two clubs that, personally, uh, I'd love to go visit. The two stadiums look quite cool. Uh, Dynamo Dresden is one that everyone says if you end up in Eastern Germany or if you end up doing a Berlin kind of football holiday, jump on the train to Dresden because it's maybe one of the best kind of atmospheres definitely on that side of Germany as well. So that's really cool. It's a, it's a strange one with the, the difference of the seasons because Magdeburg still highly regarded as a, a decent Dritte Liga side. I mean, they've been in the Zweite Liga not too long ago. Um, it just something's not clicking for them this year, which is a shame. Um, so they're, like you said, near the bottom with a couple of big teams like Dosburg at the moment, you know, down the bottom of, um, and Kaiserslautern, which we'll think we're going to jump into in a minute as well, you know, down the bottom of Dritte Liga by clubs that could end up in Regional Liga. So it's not great, but, you know, we mentioned, um, you know, do you think it's, last like last thing on Magdeburg and Dresden, do you think it's not looked at as much because it is an East German derby? You know, from kind of foreign, a foreign perspective, do you think that kind of dampens it? Because obviously they are in lower leagues and it's been a long time since either of them were near a top league. But do you think that's kind of dampened because it's an East German derby and it's not as populated over there, considering about football team wise? Yeah, I think yeah, I'd say for like casual casual fans of German football who maybe have got into it quite recently because there's been such a lack of German East German teams or former East German teams in the league in the Bundesliga and getting into Europe, obviously. Um, so they haven't really got that global. Uh, attraction because of that, the lack of European football. But for German fans or um, proper German football fans that are really into it, I mean, like us, we really like our Eastern teams uh, because you know the history of them. Mm. I think they're maybe not as important with the, not as popular with the casual fans as they don't really know the history. So I think it's because of the, yeah, the recent um, histories of the club, the clubs and being in the lower leagues, they maybe don't get as much attention. Yeah, so I mean that's another interesting derby. I, I mean it's one that I, I definitely would love to see either either team on separately or together. Um, but we'll talk in the last one like, that happened over the weekend, and then we'll let Ronan come back in because it feels like it's been about half an hour since the last time we heard from him. Um, but 
Yeah, so before we let uh, Ronan back in, um, last one of the weekend that happened was the, the kind of Sudfest derby from Ryan Fartz area, where you have um, Kaiserslautern. There's quite a lot of teams around this area, so I can imagine that a lot of them have got some kind of derby links to each other. I'm not completely clued up, maybe Colin again is the, the, the derby expert of the podcast. Um, you can tell us more about Kaiserslautern, but they played Mannheim um, at the weekend. Um, you know, Kaiserslautern came out on top in that one. Um Considering how low, lowly Kaiserslautern have been the past couple of seasons, probably quite an important win for them. But you can probably tell us more about this Sudvest derby. Yeah, definitely a definitely a massive win for Kaiserslautern. Uh, you mentioned with Magdeburg, uh, so many big teams struggling down there. Like Kaiserslautern, you could probably call the biggest. Uh, certainly in the last 30 years, with their two Bundesliga titles in the 90s. So, and there, there are there are other rivalries down there. I mean, Kaiserslautern have a bit of a rival with uh, Mainz, who they played the Pokal a couple of seasons ago. Also, have a bit of a rival with Karlsruhe. But I think they consider Waldhof Mannheim their strongest rivalry, and that's largely because of uh, the different matches that they had in the 1980s. Um, Mannheim had a spell in the Bundesliga back then and uh, had a few... Uh, heated tussles with Kaiserslautern. So in total, they've played each other 22 times competitively. Uh, Kaiserslautern, the more uh, strong club historically. Um, so they've got nine wins to out of Mannheim's six. Um, but I think since that time in the Bundesliga, you'd say both, time, both sides have declined. Kaiserslautern with more of a history in recent times in the Bundesliga, but now they're in the Dritteliga, whilst Waldhof Mannheim have had many seasons in the fourth tier of German football, even dropping down to the fifth tier for a season. But now, in recent years, they've had a bit of a resurgence. So with the resurgence of them and the decline of Kaiserslautern, they've now met the Dritteliga, which, if you could say any positives from Kaiserslautern's demise, it's we're seeing the derby again. So they played each other last season. And that was really good to see as you managed to get fans for both games. Uh, and that was their first meeting for 22 years. So you can imagine how heated that was. Such a big rivalry. They're not meeting it, they're not met in a competitive match for so long. So that was a, a really uh, heated match. And that was actually a bit of crowd trouble as well. Um, but yeah, it was a really big win for Kaiserslautern. I think they've got their third coach of the season. They've got Marco Antwerpen. They're still in 15th place above the relegation zone for now. I think a lot of fans will be hoping that they manage to keep their heads above water this season. Mannheim have been a bit better. They're actually eighth just now in their second season in Dritteliga. But yeah, I think a bit of a surprise result, but it's a, it is a big derby and one to keep an eye on, I think. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll we'll keep in touch with quite a lot because there's so many good derbies in Germany that kind of not touched on. I mean, recently, yeah, the 1860 played Bayern's second team, and that even that was regarded as a derby just because it is Bayern against 1860. But yeah, thanks to thanks to Colin for there. You're our derby correspondent of the German football podcast. Clearly, knows his stuff from the derbies. But Ronan, mate, you'll come. We'll bring you back in. It's been a while since we hit. I'm sure you're just enjoying listening to Colin talk about the derbies to be fair, but. There was a, a draw for the, the quarterfinal of the DFP Pokal, and you're going to give us a wee rundown of how that how that went. Yeah, so obviously getting to the latter stages of the competition, 
obviously the main big boys, Bayern, are, are out. So, you know, uh, all our teams are seeing as a good opportunity to get their name on a trophy. And, well, in the quarterfinals, through the eight games, I think it was pretty entertaining. Entertaining through midweek with two games going to extra time and another two going to penalties as well. Um, so I think the, the lineup for the quarterfinals are actually quite interesting because you've got two kind of bigger ties with four of like the, the top performing clubs and then you've got uh, four other clubs who are kind of, you know, you wouldn't expect to possibly reach this stage and, you know, they've got a really good opportunity. It'll be good to see, obviously, the main standout tie for myself is drop by session the Holstein Kiel because it means you're going to get a club from out with the Bundesliga in the final four and everyone loves an underdog story. So it'll be good to see one of those clubs get through to the semi-finals and then You've also got Gladbach v Dortmund, Leipzig v Wolfsburg, the teams I was referring to as your kind of top performing clubs. And then you've got Jan Regensburg hosting Werder Bremen. So it's a, a good opportunity for, for those clubs to get their name on the trophy. And a lot of them will fancy their chances anyway. And, you know, some of them have got nothing to lose as well with how far they've got already. Yeah, and um, like you mentioned there, they kind of got the Borussia derby and then you've got what Germans like to call the El Plastico. Uh, between Leipzig and Wolfsburg, but I mean, who who's who's like we'll go around all of us, but who's your kind of your tip to maybe make the final? Not maybe not win it, but who's your tip from the the the, 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 the other two ties to not the, the, the obviously the Dortmund Gladbach or the Leipzig Wolfsburg? Who's your tip to make the final if if they manage to avoid? one of the Bundesliga sides and get wiped out by them, of course. But who's your tip, Ronan, to get to the final? Um, I, I would probably say Holstein Kiel, knocking out Bayern in the previous rounds. And they're going, you know, really well in, in their league, sitting third in the playoff position at the moment as well. And they've been pretty consistent. They've been up there throughout the whole season, pretty much. I think when we had Matthew and Eva from their podcast back on a month or two ago, we spoke about uh, Keel and, you know, if they expected them to be up there or if they would fall away, but they've they've held their own and, you know, got that big cup upset since then. And they're I think they're unbeaten in their last five games as well. So, I mean, everything kind of looks in their favour that, you know, they've got nothing to lose as well. And, you know, they're in a really good place this season. Yeah, and Colin, who's your, who are you thinking um, from the, the the ties coming up? Who who are you looking forward to to maybe seeing? Do you, do you think Werder have got the you know the they've got the the luck of the draw, or do you think, judging by the way Regensburg played against Köln, this could be a very difficult tie for them? Yeah, I think on paper it's probably yeah it's one of the more favorable favorable ones, but yeah, as you said, they did manage to beat a Bundesliga side in Köln. So it would definitely be tricky for them. And you mentioned, aside from the two obvious ties with the, the big team, well, so-called big teams with Dortmund and Gladbach, then Leipzig and Wolfsburg. Not big teams, but good teams. <laughs> uh, Plastico is a big over here. Not that we're that, but that's what they're calling them. Like, that's what the Germans say. It's the official name, we've got to call it that. <laughs> El Plastico. Um, yeah, so from the remaining two ties, Bundes. Uh, Berda Bremen being the Bundesliga side you'd fancy them to be the most likely to get through out of all those four teams but I actually fancy Holstein Kiel as well most likely they've shown themselves to be really capable but I think it is really a, a golden chance for Werder 
to win a trophy. I think there's a lot of big clubs who haven't won a trophy for some time. Werder's last trophy was the Pokal and I believe it was 2009, beat Leverkusen. It's a great chance for them to, to get this trophy, just beating us vitally a team. And who knows, maybe in the semi-final draw, they could get an Essen or a Kiel, which would give them neither a clearer path through to the, the Pokal final. They, had, they can't get complacent, though, because these lower league sides, especially this season, have shown themselves to be so capable. I think even more so than usual, there just seems to be that more potential for a shock, which is quite surprising, I think, because I thought the lack of a crowd would maybe hamper that. You think some of these smaller sides, you know the way the Pokal's set up, the smaller sides often get the home tie. So you think they get the home advantage from the crowd, but we've not had that this year, but there has been a lot of shocks nevertheless. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's definitely a refreshing change from Bayern being the semi-finals, I think. Uh, definitely, and like um, Ron, just gonna obviously both of you have said Kiel. I mean, to be fair, I quite like to see Kiel um, even get to the final. At least I think they're quite an interesting team to kind of watch. But you know, we mentioned before about Rob Vias Essen. I've got a, like kind of. I mean, I, we we're, we made a link between them and Hibs. I mean, they played each other in Europe, but it would be a shame to see them go out because obviously you saw Saarbrück in last season doing really well they got to the semi-finals um, playing Bayer Leverkusen but obviously when they played Bayer Leverkusen they were far too strong for them in the end Essen must be must be loving this tie like to get Kiel I mean Kiel are a very good side they're doing really well in the league and they've obviously put out Bayern but so if you think the Regensburg are probably like the worst team out of the rest um, apart from Essen uh, league-wise they must be fancying their chances um, against um, Kiel, and you must be wanting all the highbies to get involved and support Essen because of that that link they had. Yeah, true. It's interesting that like, it goes back to when they met in Europe all those years ago. But I mean, looking at Essen's route to the quarterfinals as well to beat Leverkusen over 120 minutes as well. You know, it was nil nil after 90 minutes, and then you know Leverkusen took the lead. You'd probably expect. You know, usual cliches of them, you know, running out of their legs and running out of steam. But to come back and win it with two goals in the second half at extra time, I don't think many people saw that coming. And with Essen facing Kiel, I think that would probably be the ties when they saw the draw. You know, I think those type of clubs, they'd be wanting to avoid probably Dortmund and Gladbach. Maybe it would be different if fans were in because they'd want that, you know, big cup occasion um, that creates a real buzz. But in the context of this season, possibly those would be the, the kind of ties they were looking for to draw another team from out with the Bundesliga where they can fancy their chances to go one further again. But you're, um, with, with us all saying, Kiel, you think that's maybe the end of the road for Essen? Or is it just difficult to call between them two because they're the other two teams that probably everyone that doesn't support any of the teams left are kind of wanting them to do well? I think it's kind of hard to call because uh, how well Essen are doing in their league as well. I think they're sitting second, just behind Dortmund's second team by, I think they're maybe a point behind, but they have games in hand and they're unbeaten in so long as well. But, I mean, Kiel again came out with another good result and last night in terms of recording this when they won away at Dusseldorf. Um, it's obviously a tough place to go for them as Colin shakes his head in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I one of the players as well, I like is that Jonas Meth there that plays central midfield. I think he's been a bit of a standout and he's quite 
highly rated as well. So it's, you know, players like that, I think these are the games where, you know, when they get into the latter stages, uh, cup competitions and get, you know, a bit more widely recognised, it's a chance for them to put themselves in the shop window and, you know, possibly get themselves a move or, um, you know, just boost their reputation. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one to see. And like you said, you know, they're, they're, they're doing well in the league. They've got a game and, like you said, they are second, but they do have a game at hand against Dortmund, the um, second team. So it'll be interesting to see if they overtake them again because uh, it's only two points in it. So I think Essen probably, I think they would have loved to get Dortmund if there was fans involved just because of how close the cities are. I think that'd be quite an interesting one for the Ruhr region. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting one. I think the Pokal, like Colin said, it's always... It's always a good one to watch for the, the smaller teams. There's always one makes their way through it. So, you know, it's twice um, sch- scheduled for March, um, just the start of March. There'll be ones to, to keep an eye out for anyway, definitely. So we'll move on. And Ronan, you're going to take over the quiz again this week on your return. Um, it's going to be me against Colin for the first time in a while. Uh, but Manchester went after my narrow defeat to Julian. And I say narrow defeat because if I didn't give him St. Pauli, he might not have got that. He might have known it, but he might not have got that. And I could have done level. So I'm very disappointed. Um, but this is my chance to redeem myself. And then Ronan's now going to explain how it's going to be really difficult and I'll probably lose. Uh, yeah, I'm listening back to that as well. And I'm glad I didn't take part in that quiz because I think I would have probably struggled with some of it, to be honest. I could get the two player links, but the third one was kind of going by me a bit. But um, but for, for this one, you'll actually be kind of working as a team rather than against each other. So, um, or if you want to do it against each other, we could do like a shot about like normal, like alternate, but kind of bringing back that Scottish link to a game Derek Ray spoke about when he was on, was when Celtic faced Gladbach at Celtic Park back in 2016-17 season. Um, I believe it finished 2-0 to Gladbach, so your challenge was to name the starting 11s from, from both sides from that game to see how... How good your memory is. Because I think you've done one before, Roy, similar to this, where it was uh, from the Champions League final between Dortmund and Bayern. So that, 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 that killed me though when I couldn't get those four players at the end. And for days, I couldn't sleep. Because, like, that, <laughs> so, like, why are you doing this to me again? That's why I've done it. It's pile on the misery. Oh god! So, <laughs> like, so are we work? Are we working together, or are we kind of like who guesses the most players? Do you think? I mean, it's we've kind of got a Dusseldorf Kiln thing going on here. I think we should like whoever guesses the most players wins. Right, like, go against each other. Yeah, right, yeah, okay. we'll go against each other. Yeah. So make it more interesting. Can you remind me of the year, just so I can get my yeah, head? Twenty sixteen seventeen. Cool. So who gets to go first, running Quizmaster? Um. You can go first, seeing as you asked nicely. Thank you. <laughs> Colin, Quizmaster, you get to go first. That's great. <laughs> right, um, right. I'll start off because I probably know more about the Gladbach team than the Celtic team, <laughs> to be fair. Uh, and I'm going to go with uh, Jan Sommer, started in goals. Yeah, that's right. The subs count. Um, I've got the used subs and unused down. So, I mean... Or do you just want to just do starting 11s? We can do so starting like over. get an honourable mention if you get a sub. <laughs> I remember one of the players that scored, but I'm, I don't know if he started or not. Andre Han. He scored and he started. 
He doesn't get an extra point because he scored, does he? Man, <laughs> 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 no, I could. Right, one each. Um, Lash Dindo. Yep, he was another goal scorer as well. Are we just going to get all the Gladbach players and then just have to guess? Celtic <laughs> players from that year. Oscar Vent. Yeah, he played left back. Right, I'm going to chuck a Celtic guess in so like, we don't go through the whole Gladbach team. And I'm going to guess 2017. I don't know why I said I'm going to guess Celtic player and not actually thought the player before I went to say it. Um, Scott Brown. Yeah, he played centre midfield. Well, I didn't think he played goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. I apologise. <laughs> don't take points off That's always happens. He's always he always gets weighed with the the quiz master. He should get started getting points deducted. I oh, know. Sorry, it's because I don't want right. Uh, Isagiri. No, unused sub. Oh, um. Moussa Dembele? Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> you thought that was wrong? <laughs> I thought I thought that was before his time. Oh. Uh, right. Going back to Gladbach. Stick to what I know. I stick to what um, I know. Tony Janska? Nope. Unused sub. <laughs> right, I'm not going to do this one. Um, I also does it matter if I can't remember his first name? Nah. Cool. As long as you get him. I think it's Jan or Yannick Vestergaard. Yeah, he started at centre and half. Ahead of Janch. <laughs> <laughs> What's the score? Sorry, is that four two? Five two at the moment, but Colin has like a shot in hand basically to make it five three. Hmm. Right. Um Julian Corb. Yeah. That's twice you've thought of a player that I'm just about to say. Vent, I was about to say, and then Corb, I was about to say. Right. Um, 2017. James Forrest. Yep. 6-3, Colin. <laughs> Chris Commons. Nope. <laughs> Can't play at all. Here. Come on, Colin. You've not yeah, lost yeah. the quiz. I guess me. Oh, an unbeaten record to protect. I know. <laughs> what is going on? Um, okay, I'm going to take one of my first like big guesses I'm not sure on. And I'm going to say Fraser Foster. Nope. Ah, Ooh. Craig Gordon. Yep. Really? Yeah, he started. Oh, I just gave him one there. 6-4? Yes, yeah. And because you're not going to be stupid enough to guess an RCL to keep her, the unused sub that night was Doris De Vries. Thank you. I was going to guess that. <laughs> I don't think I was going to guess him anyway because of all the Gordon, obviously. So. He was uh, going to be my left back. <laughs> <laughs> he plays centre mid alongside Scott Brown. <laughs> really, did he? <laughs> um, what? I was just getting a. Doesn't matter. It wasn't that funny anyway. 
I said where I did. I said I said where did Christian Gunter play? Because it wasn't that funny. <laughs> Up front. From both teams. <laughs> um, right. Cal McGregor. No, he was a sub. He came on though, but didn't start. Does that count if he came on though? We didn't. We didn't. Nah, I'm going for star in eleven, so there's twenty two points up for grabs. Oh God, he brings us to six five, and I've all my like mocking him two minutes ago has gone down the drain. Christoph Kramer. Yeah. Fair. Uh, okay, I can't. I can't remember his first name because there's a million of them. Thiori. Yeah, he played on the wing. Yeah, he did. Wait, what's his first name? Ibrahima. Ibrahima. Damn it! I could have guessed that. I should, oh. should get a point for that. <laughs> right. Um. Nico Elvedi. Yep. Right. Can Can I get a quick update? Because it's back down. I started, so it's kind of fairer. Can I get a quick update of how we've got left from each team? We've got nine out of eleven for Gladbach, and. Four out of eleven for Celtic. Right. I can't remember. And the score the is seven six. Seven six. Oh, I, oh no! Now you said that. I don't want to guess this. Or I'm going to guess uh, Bobby Dear. Who? Oh. Who? What do you mean? Who? Clapback legend. <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> so Bobby Dear was not there in 2017. Oops. Nope. Uh, who was up front? That's what I'm trying to think. That's why I went for Bobadier. Out of Stendhal. Just played up front. That's oh, uh, Torgan Hazard. Did he play? No, he didn't. Oh. I don't know why. He played in the return game in Gladbach, but he didn't play this when He wasn't even on the bench. So. Mm. Oh, he was injured, yeah. I'm trying to get positions we'll go left for Gladbach, but I may as well just jump back to Celtic. And Van Dyke? Nope. Is he Liverpool by then? Um, maybe Southampton. Ah, there we go. Ah, damn it. Strobel. Yep. So that means we've got the striker for Gladbach left? Not a striker, but he's an attacker. Oh. Herman. Herman the German. Nope. Oh, <laughs> Came on. An attacker, but not a striker. Uh, I definitely done a Gladbach career mode when like FIFA 2016-17, whatever year it was. Come on. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Don't want to say anything. I can't remember who played for Celtic. Scott Sinclair. Yep. Colin takes the lead. Oh, Stuart Armstrong. Oh. Nope, and you sub. Oh, no. <laughs> Boyata? Nope. Wasn't in the squad at all. Don't know if he was away by then or just not selected, but wasn't playing. Okay, I'm scared to guess now. Denier? Jason Denier? Nope. Oh, no. Who's a set of hops? 
Who played for Gladbach? Quite a lot of people. I'm trying to remember what... Scott Brown in midfield. <laughs> trying to remember what... Uh, trying to picture the strip from that season. I, I think I've got the strip this way. I think I've got, like... I've got most of my players. I don't uh, have Tarker, but not an out-and-out striker. Uh, That's not what he said. He just said it's an attacking player. Celt- <laughs> Celt- Celtic. Uh, Lustig. Yep. Two gold cushion. You've got work to do, right? This is why you don't. This is why you don't declare yourself the winner after. But Suminovic, Yosipovic, unused sub. Oh, for who played centre half for Celtic three four years ago? You'll find out soon. I don't want to find out. Who <laughs> played up front for Gladbach? <laughs> He's still thinking of the Gladbach striker. How many we get left to Celtic? Four. Oh no! Four, Aye, four Celtic and one. Five, five Celtic, one Gladbach. Right, that's fine. I can still come back. Josip Drummich. Nope. He said he was near striker. He's an attacker. <laughs> He's a striker. He, try, he tries. He tries to play as a striker. Just yeah, that's a good very Oh, I, I, the Gladback one's just annoying me. I'm just going to keep going with Celtic. You'll be kicking yourselves in the Gladback one. Oh, no! <laughs> uh, Celtic. This is why... Like, none of us care about the old fun Ronan. I don't many guess Celtic players. <laughs> um, right, I think we've still got the left-back and like the left-sided player for Celtic to guess. Patrick Roberts? Sub. Oh, fuck off. You're taking the piss. <laughs> you're actually, you're just taking the piss. Because every time I get one wrong, it gives him a, a clue. You've somehow managed to name six of Selic starting 11 and six out of the seven subs. <laughs> well, five. <laughs> six if you include Doris de Vries. <laughs> oh, he could. He could. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't. I keep thinking of like. For some reason, I keep thinking about like Celtic playing against Barcelona instead, like that sort of period. Only what? Barcelona were in the group stage this year. I think it was Gladbach, Celtic, Man City, Barcelona. Uh, The big one. Yeah, because that's when that's when Barcelona beat them like seven 0 or something, wasn't it? Mm, Yeah, it was. Yeah. so if Easy Gary didn't play left back, who was playing left back? Who's played left back? Oh, I've got an outside shoot. I don't know if I want to see it because I'm still losing, but I think I've got an outside shoot. Easy Gary wasn't playing left back. Who was left back? Who's left back now? <laughs> Lax out who's like this season, so it's no him. Lax out, yeah. Lax out. <laughs> he was probably still a wee boy then. No, he's like 28. Uh, right. Back on track. Right, if we're going to be kicking ourselves. So it's not... Is it, is too, it... I go to be someone like Player or Turam. It's not Hazard. It's not Herman. I've already said Stindl. 
Hurry up. <laughs> Out of time. <laughs> Come on, rush him. Right, pass. I need more time, I think. <laughs> right, I, I, I might be really wrong, but I feel like it's Jonas Hoffman. Yes. Hoffman. He's not an attacker. Oh, he's a winger. Yeah, so completely glad back. And what's the score? 9-8 to Colin. Come on. Right, you can't take that long next time. You need to hurry it up. Now there's five Celtic players up for grabs. Can we get their nationality? No. <laughs> You're winning. No, because no, they're one, four of them would be really obvious. Right. Why don't you tell us the positions then? Because I, I, we still aren't going to yeah, get it. I'd... Left back, both centre backs, a defensive midfielder, and a cam. Left back, centre back, centre back. Who played centre? I can't think of any of the centre backs. Charlie Mulgrew. Did he still play for Charlie Mulgrew? No. See, this is more me thinking back to like Barcelona. He's going to get Tony Watt in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My right, my outside chat. Like, I just remember him playing a couple of games, but I don't know if he ever made the European squad. Calvin Miller play left back for Celtic. (laughs) Calvin Miller. (laughs) He did play for Celtic though, and I swear he played a couple of years. He also played for here. Aye, I, I think he got a Champions League appearance. I thought it could have been this game. Sorry. Left back. Oh. I'm struggling with this. Any Celtic fans have probably guessed this like after two minutes. People are screaming this down the podcast. Wait, is, are they not uncommon players? Like, we should know them. Yeah, you should know them. Um, four out of five, you should know like, easily. Come on, Colin. You should know them easily, I said. Not Van Dyke, not Denier, not Suminovic. I know. Who, who played else played centre back? Uh, who played centre back for Scotland back then? Celtic don't really have no, Celtic don't Scotland centre backs. Well, I'm helping you. Not Boyata, not. I think he's taken the first. I'm now trying to think of countries and try to work it back from there. <laughs> like thinking of different countries in my head, like Sweden and Norway. Norway, who? Yeah, French. <laughs> You've broken him, by the way. <laughs> You've broken him with this quiz. Well, any of. No. This quiz is going to take longer than the whole podcast. <laughs> I think we should start getting nationalities no we shouldn't we what's going to help go on for ages here ok one more guess each before we get nationalities deal yeah ok hurry up Colin guess <laughs> Bobo Valde <laughs> that's not a guess but... <laughs> I'll just give you nationalities after this guess because that, that makes it even you're both both of them have the same. I just, I just want the nationalities. Pass. 
Do you want me to tell you the nationality for each position or just in general? The f- go for the first two. If we don't get any in the next two guesses each, then go position-wise. Right. So you have one Scottish player, one Danish player, one from Ivory Coast, one from Israel, oh. and one from Australia. Oh, I don't know. I know. Whose guess is it? Me. Roy. Right, right go. Uh, Sviatchenko. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Rogic. Yep. Oh, fuck. Right, so the Scott in the Ivory Coast, who? Oh, Colo Turi. Yep. <laughs> right, no. what's the score? It's 10-10 with two players left. I'm going to need to Near call the time brief. Near Beaton. Yep. So, Roy, you need this. It's 11-10 to call it. And you Pressure. have one player Pressure. left. Oh, is this a Scottish left back? Yep. Oh my God, Kieran Tierney. <laughs> oh. Finally. How did, <laughs> we, oh, how did we not get him? <laughs> I'm was, just going to leave. I'm just so disappointed in myself. Hoffman and Tierney were sitting there and he's like saying left back, left back, left back. I was like, oh my God. Went through like Calvin Miller, lax out. <laughs> Calvin Miller. Bully blowing goalie. Calvin <laughs> <laughs> I said Kim Tierney. Oh my I god. I was genuinely I was genuinely thinking of players like Thomas Rogna and Nadia <laughs> El Kaduri in my I was going to say Rasmussen <laughs> and like Mark Antoine Fortuny and stuff like that. I couldn't think of any Celtic players from that either. Oh god. Right, right, I'm right, going to think of a tiebreaker because I was a draw. Imagine I'd, I didn't get, I'd be so annoyed if I passed and he said Kieran Tierney. Did you, were you going to see Kieran Tierney at all? I completely forgot about Kieran Tierney. I kept thinking about left backs and even a Gary face kept popping into my head. <laughs> see, it's the only left back that's ever played for Celtic for the last 20 years. <laughs> so the tiebreaker question I'm going to go with is, Wait, is how many not- passes Celtic completed that night? Whoever's closest wins. What was the score to each? 2 0 to Gladbach. Right. A hundred and forty-five. Oh. Wait, wait, no, that's really low. Shit. No, that's really that's like one player. Can, I, can we go back? Can we go back? <laughs> uh, that's pretty much like a pass. A pass and a half per minute. <laughs> 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 Can we go back? <laughs> oh, no, right. Hey, I say, I say uh, 420. Yeah, Colin's closer. It's 610. <laughs> oh, I, was I, I thought you said how many passes did Scott Brown have that night? None. <laughs> Played midfield. <laughs> the other players that featured on the bench for Gladbach for some reason they had two goalies on the bench Neil Zutin and Tobias Sipo and then Nico Schultz came on and Mohamed Dahoud and Gibral So were unused Celtic the other sub you were missing was Reed Griffiths he came on holy gosh I guess I got belly. I wasn't thinking of other strikers but wow that's really yeah, disappointing true. I can't believe I've lost to the stupidity <laughs> on a tie break Oh, I, I heard the question wrong. 
I'm going to go with that one. That's my that's my excuse. Nah. So there we go. Colin victorious again. As he looks very smug, even though he bottled that. Uh, absolutely bottled it. <laughs> that makes you look all the worse. It does. It really does. I bottled, I really, it, and I still, I bottled it and I still won. So. I really need to start winning one of these quizzes, I think. It's kind of getting a bit, a bit bad. It's been a while. But hopefully you enjoyed that. A bit of a different one without the, the preview and review. You know, we want to try and do a bit more than just talk about each game and how they went and how they're going to go for this week. So hopefully some interesting stuff with the Darby's. Thanks to Colin for his uh, extra-sensual insight on uh, Darby's in German football. Uh, clearly, we know, he know even you'll probably admit now, you know more about Mannheim and Kaiserslautern than you do about the Celtic lineups in 2017. Um, <laughs> which, take from that what you will, that could be a, a hidden talent. Uh, but yeah, Obviously, a couple of big games coming up in the weekend, which will be quite interesting. Um, we'll, we'll see if Bayern come back as Club World Cup champions in Qatar, the, the most pointless tournament at the moment. But, you know, if they come back with the fifth trophy of that season, technically, um, that'll be really big for them. So, we'll see you next week. See you later. And Scotland have bounced back again here! Yet again!